0: And we're going to continue our morning study and then uh, do something else next hour. So good morning to everybody. Good to see you. First Corinthians chapter two, and uh, then we're going to kind of work, begin to work our way down through this passage here. Uh, We'll start reading in verse number nine. We're going to clear up some things here in verse nine and then uh, get down into 10, 11 and 12. So. Uh, Verse 9, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but, we, but the spirit which is of the God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, we've been down through up to, really down to verse number 9, as Paul here again is dealing with the Corinthians as they are adopting human viewpoint, human wisdom, human tradition, human religion. Uh, And they're moving away from God's wisdom and God's thinking and God's teaching and the sound doctrine. So in verse 9, where we were last time, as it is written, by the way, the as it is written is Isaiah 64. We're going to go back there in just a second here and show you why he uses Isaiah 64 here. By the way, you have to always remember, when Paul quotes the Old Testament, he never says, as it is fulfilled. He never says, so you do this, and that fulfills that. He always says, as it is written. He never says, you and I fulfill prophetic scripture, period. I hath not seen, so the eye gate, imperial, the scientific method, I got to see it to believe it. I got to touch it. I got to taste it. I got to work with my hands here. You don't know God that way. The ear gate, that's secondhand information. That's, that's, I believe this because grandma told me. That's, I believe this because my pastor told me. I believe this because, you know, that's the church I went to, the denomination, et cetera, et cetera. That's secondhand information. And then the heart that's human intuition that's how you feel about it that's how you uh, you know boy that service really moved me today where did it move you you know yeah. I it's I, I always chuckle and oh great message today pastor and then I watch and I look and I and then I see the folks that said that over here doing something they shouldn't be doing I'm like then that wasn't working. So you, we missed something there, you know. So, and and that's, so, that's humanity, if you will. But the point is, is human in, intuition, that's how you feel. That's how you think. The eye gate is unreliable because of you. You subject your biases to it. The ear gate is more unreliable, okay? Why? Because now I'm subjecting my what I'm going to believe and how I'm going to ascertain truth from what somebody else said around the campfire. The heart is the worst; it's the least reliable of all three. Jeremiah 17: The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And you don't even know your own heart. You think you do, but you really don't. You know, we were watching uh, Dateline on Channel 12 the other night. Before the news, and they're doing—it's all murder mystery stuff, and the murders and the trial, and it's like you you, know—you sit there and you look at that and you go, "I could never do that." But yeah, you can, if you're in that situation and you're in that—you could, you might be do that. Well, I don't think I would. Well, that's different than I would not do it. See, so you you, you, your heart—you just don't know it. It's desperately wicked, and 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 we went through those last time. Now. Paul ends the verse with, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. If you look there at verse uh, 11, he says, at the end of the verse, Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. You and your energy of your flesh can never know what God's doing today. You'll never get it in the energy of you, the ear gate, the eye gate, the heart gate. But Paul uses a reference, Isaiah 64. So let's go back to Isaiah 64. He uses, as he always does in his use of the Old Testament, of here is a parallel situation, okay? So here's where you guys are, Corinthians, and here's a situation that Israel found itself in that is parallel, and look at them, all right? Isaiah 64, uh, and, and this issue here about not knowing what God's prepared for them that love him, and that issue of, hey, you try to come... You can't get there on your own. Now, Isaiah 64, uh, the, the quote is verse 4. For since the beginning of the world, man hath not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither hath I seen, O God, besides thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Now, the context of the verse is critical. To catch what Paul is doing and why Paul uses Isaiah Sixty-four. So go back to verse 1, okay? The context, I, verse 1. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence, as when the melting fire burneth, the fire causes the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst tremble, uh, I'm sorry, when thou didst terrible things, which we look not for, thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. The context is the second coming. But Isaiah does not know that at this moment. When Isaiah writes this, Israel is going off into Babylonian captivity. Nebuchadnezzar's got him. He's going off. So when Isaiah, this cry here of Israel, the cry of Isaiah here, is come down, come, he, Isaiah has no understanding at this moment concerning the first coming and a gap of time and the second coming. Okay? Isaiah is looking for one coming. Come down, destroy the enemies, and take off. For since the beginning, verse 4, of the world, man hath not heard nor perceived by ear, neither hath the eyes seen, O God, besides thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Who's waiting for the the Lord? Israel is, see? And he's like, look, guys, Isaiah, they don't understand anything about the second coming in the moment, and there's a reason why, and that's what we're going to get at, Okay? And that's what Paul's getting at. Here is Isaiah. Israel is moving off into Babylonian captivity, and Isaiah begins to write the cry of the believer, God, come and liberate us from the enemy. So Isaiah is pleading with God to do what? To return and to mete out his judgment. Now, the Lord's going to do that one day. Isaiah's already written that. But the issue here, see, is that they don't understand the the, the 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 first coming and the second coming. So when you read, so when you think about what Paul's doing here, Paul uses this parallel situation where there's some unknown information. Isaiah doesn't have all the information. He's only talking about one coming, and now there's going to be some information revealed in the earthly ministry of the Lord that indicates there's a, the first coming is a meek and lowly coming, and the second coming is the Isaiah 64 and the meeting out the judgment part, see. That information is withheld from Isaiah. He doesn't know that. He hasn't got there yet. See? And Paul says, look, here's the deal, guys. Here's Isaiah and Israel ignorant of what God's doing because God hasn't told them yet. He didn't make known some information. You guys remember in the earthly ministry of the Lord, and he comes in and he's got those mysteries of the kingdom And he begins to tell them information that isn't back in the Old Testament, but that information shines light so then they can can begin to put the pieces together. Daniel, Daniel sees one coming, judgment. Now he doesn't see the Lord's birth, he sees the Lord's what? Crucifixion. They're looking at the judgment, they're missing that first, why? Because... He's a meek and lowly coming. And what happens is, is when Isaiah, uh, not Isaiah, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when the Lord comes in, remember when the Lord says, go down there and get that donkey, the colt ass off there and bring it to me, and I'm going to ride in on that. And that's a, that is an indication in that moment that the Lord tells that the prophetic scriptures that talk about him doing that is the meek and lowly coming, not the judgment coming. And what Paul does here, go back to 1 Corinthians 2, you have to think about what Paul's doing here, why he even brought this into the conversation. Isaiah, from Israel's perspective, from Isaiah's perspective, they are waiting for God to deliver them from the Gentiles, from their enemies. Yet they're clueless on when it's going to happen. They know how it's going to happen. They just don't know when, because those details have been withheld until who? Until Messiah walks the earth and says, now is the when. Here's when this is going to happen. Remember the guys asking him, tell us the end of the story. Tell us the sign of your coming and when the end shall be. And he goes through all that. All that's in the Old Testament, but when the prophets are writing that, they don't understand that to be his second coming. They understand that to be the end, but not his second coming. They miss the first coming. Why? Not because on purpose, but because the information hasn't been revealed yet. So Paul, look at 2.8. What does Paul say? Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified their Lord of glory. And Now, again, not the event, but the meaning of it, that hidden wisdom of it, of of the cross. So here's the adversary is what? Clueless. Just like Isaiah and Israel were back here, they have information, it's just not completed information. And now, chapter 2, verse 9, man is clueless. They've only got a little bit of information. They don't have all the information. You, You see what Paul's doing here? Here's a similar situation. Don't think this is odd for God to keep information and then later reveal it. Because he's been doing it all along. He just didn't, he just, with Paul, with, he, with the dispensation of grace, he kept a whole program secret. With Israel, he just kept chuck it, nuggets of information secret to be later revealed. Okay, I, I was trying to think last night how to articulate that to you. He kept a whole dispens a whole program, the heavenly program, secret. He did he here in Israel's program. He just kept pieces of it secret until it was time to be revealed. Now, verse ten, but God hath revealed them now, because the hidden truth has been made known. The capstone of revelation. There's no more re- revealing going to take place. God has made fully known all of his will, Ephesians 1, 9. He's made it all known. There's nothing secret. There's no mystery. There's no, Isaiah and Israel didn't know anything about the, the, the information, the gap, if you will, between the first and the second coming or any of that. Again, God made all that information known when the Lord walked the earth and he delivers that, those mysteries of the kingdom doctrines. Now, verse 10, what does he do? Now, but God, I never miss the but gods, okay? But now, don't miss the buts. And I don't mean the thing you're sitting on, okay? The buts, but God. Now he's what? He has revealed. By the way, never read 2.9 without 2.10. Because if you just read 2.9, you think God's keeping secrets. And you can't know it. But 2.10 says what? He has revealed it. So he's not keeping secrets. But God hath revealed He's chosen now to make all the hidden wisdom. Verse 7, the mystery. Again, mystery, not in mysterious, not in hard to know, not in we don't have the capability to know, but mystery in that he hid it in himself. God kept his mouth shut. He kept a secret. The hidden wisdom. And now what's he going to do? Now he's going to reveal it, but he's revealing it unto us by his spirit. And and now what we're going to do is Paul now is going to begin to walk the Corinthians, you and I as well, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit works today in the age of grace. Guess what? He doesn't work like he does in Matthew Mark Luke and John and Acts. Doesn't work that way. Wrong pro different program. That's just like everybody thinks he does, but he doesn't. That's old. He's going to work a different way. By the way, he's going to work comparing spiritual things with spiritual. He's going to work through the written word of God and we'll we'll get into all that in the coming day, in the coming coming weeks. Paul is he's now, now we're going to, now he's revealed, but God hath now revealed. You, you guys know the ignorance is, is bliss? No, it, ignorance is no longer an excuse. When man says, I didn't know, God's going to say, yeah, you did. I didn't know, yeah, you did. Well, I never found it. It's right there, and it's been there the whole time. Just because you're lazy doesn't mean God is going to let you off the hook. See, That's why in Hebrews, that verse in Hebrews, he's a, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, he, he's not going to, just because you're lazy and you don't want to do anything and you think you can skate by, he's going to get you. That's not how this works. It's not how God works. So ignorance is now no longer an excuse. What is it? Ignorance of the law is no defense, something like that, you know? And that's what's going to happen here. But God, He hath revealed. By the way, look at verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. We can know the end of that verse, 12. We might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Think about that. We, our God, is such a gracious, generous, kind God. Not only did he reveal something about himself, by the way, he's now knowable. See, you can know him. Not only does he reveal something about himself. But now he's also revealing about everything I've given you in my son. I've given you, freely given us all. By the way, freely, that grace term, freely given it to you. If you're in my son, then you here's the benefit package. By the way, the end of verse 7 up there, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, our benefit, our glory. They wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory that issue of glory, our benefit. So God has done everything he can possibly do to make himself known and knowable. And that's what 2.10 and 11 and 12 and 13 is going to tell us. And that's why Paul is telling the Corinthians this, because Paul wants to bring them on, move them forward in their edification, but he can't because they're, not operating properly on the prop, on the foundation properly, and he's not going to violate the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's gonna he's he Paul Paul's not going to go give him a bunch of stuff and the Holy no we're going to do it the way the Holy Spirit is working here. God wants us to value how. I, I mean you, you think about he, 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 he invites us to appreciate all that he's freely given us. He wants us to value how generous he really is. And when you think about blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, always complete that part of the verse. okay God wants us to value that glorious revelation that we can now know something about Him, but then we can also know something about all that He's freely given us in Christ. And what Paul's going to demonstrate is how God does this. How does He reveal it? He doesn't use the ear gate, eye gate, and heart gate. That's the wisdom of the world. That's the, the, the man's wisdom, human viewpoint. He doesn't use that. So Corinthians, you and I as well. If God isn't using that, then why are you using that? It's a simple question. Well, it makes me feel good. Well, see, now we're in the heart gate. So, why, no, why are you? Why not do this the way God has it written out to do? And that's what Paul's going to do here. He's going to tell us. How we can know what God's doing with absolute confidence, with absolute assure—excuse <clears throat> me, surety. McDonald's coffee decided to say hello. <laughs> absolute here. So, verse ten. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. Again, ignorance is no longer an excuse. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So the question comes up in this verse then, and it comes up rather uh, Is then is God, the Holy Spirit, out there looking for something that can't be found? Well, the answer is no, because what did the verse start? God hath what? Revealed them so they're made known. So he's not out searching in the dark. Again, verse 12, that we might know the thing. They are knowable. So it starts, so it's a crazy idea to think that the Holy Spirit is out searching for something that can't be found when clearly Paul says the information has been revealed. It's all there. So then in the deep things, verse 10, the deep things Then what are those? Well, the deep things, deep in, not the deep ocean and dark where you can't see, but deep in in the issue of, in the sense of incomprehensible, profound. Do you know how profound it is, how it's beyond our thinking as man? To know and to understand that God the Father sent God the Son to die for your lost and dying soul. You would have never thought that as in your in your ear gate, eye gate, heart gate. Because you're trying to be your God. He he, he oh, the verse just escaped me. Uh, anyway, it'll come back, I hope. So, the deep here is in the sense of incomprehensible. You can't, this is very difficult to grasp in your humanity. Now, when you're in the Christ and you got the Spirit and you got the Word working, you begin to grasp it, you begin to see it, you begin to understand it. But God hath revealed, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God, the, the things that are hidden in God. The Holy Spirit now. Not only has access to those deep, that deep, incomprehensible system of truth that he's now going to expose, reveal. And he's literally revealing the deep things. You know that verse in Ephesians 3? That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ that passes all understanding. That's the deep things. That's understanding that what God's doing today, it reaches down into the lowest parts of creation, into the dregs of humanity, and He pulls them out, saves them, and then exalts them to the highest heights of the heavenlies. And it's been going on since before the foundation of the world, and it's going to last out beyond the ends of it all. You see, you can comprehend that. You can grasp. Why? Because the the Word has been revealed. It's been made known. And the the Spirit has gotten in there, and He's he's digging it out for you. He's revealing it. Come come over to John chapter 5. This thing about searching. John chapter 5. You see, the hidden wisdom of God not made known in in the ages prior, and and it was hidden, God. It's deep because it's the advanced, rich information truth that no one knew about, that now when God revealed it, you got John 5? Come back over to Ephesians 3. Just we're going to hold on to John 5. Ephesians 3. The Holy Spirit is the one who accesses it, searches the deep things of God, literally drills down into the depths of God's advanced purpose for all of eternity. He has access to it. He's the one making it known. Ephesians 3. Paul says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to word, how that may, by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the, mysteries of, in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Clearly hidden. Okay? Now made known. By the way, in verse 2... The dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to who? To you, word. How that by revelation, he, that's Galatians 1, 11, and 12, where Jesus Christ reveals this information directly to Paul. Then Paul turns around, writes it down. But notice verse 5, because we stopped short. As it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by who? By the Spirit, so think about the order here: God the Son talks, reveals the hidden information to God, to Paul, and once that's been revealed, the Spirit comes over there, grabs it, and takes it out to the body. Paul writes it down, so we have a written record of it, because that's where he's going to work, is in the written word. But yet, the Spirit is doing what? Come over to John five. He's searching. And when you think about this thing about searching, one of the wonderful things about understanding the word rightly divided is that we recognize that not all the information is is revealed at one moment in time. It's what? Progressively revealed over time. Just like that thing in Isaiah 64. Isaiah and Israel had no clue. They were clueless about first coming, second coming, and so forth. All they were looking for was second coming. Come and clean them out. But then as information gets revealed, what does Israel begin to learn? Uh Uh-oh, we got we gotta wait. We got something else here. Here's the the Messiah and so forth. Look at John 5. Thinking about the, the thing about searching, verse 39. This is a favorite saying of the Lord. Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. When he says, search the scriptures, he'll say, have you not read? <laughs> you do err, not knowing the scriptures. You see, when he says, search the scriptures, clearly what could they go do? They could go search the scriptures, and what they would go find is they would go find what the prophet said, that when the Messiah showed up, here's what he's going to do. Here's what he's going to look like, Isaiah 9, I, you know, Isaiah 33. All those, you, know, you go back, and he's going to do this, he's going to do that. And then what the Lord's saying is, is you, go, you guys go back there, and you read the Old Testament prophets that give the description of the Messiah, and guess what? I'm him. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm saying. I'm him. I, I'm the Messiah that the Old Testament prophesied was coming. How do they know that? They can go search the what? Search the Scripture. Now, go back to Ephesians 3. I should have had you hold here. I'm sorry, I didn't do that. Ephesians 3. And I, I know this is Christmas Eve morning, and, but it's Bible study time. Look at Ephesians 3. Next hour is the Christmas message, okay? And guess what we're going to do? We're going to study, too, okay? Somebody told me one time, man, you need to take it, you know, do a light study. So I'm like, okay, so I'll get to study. I'm going, this ain't light. (laughs) Ephesians 3. Look at verse 8. So search the scriptures. What are they able to do? They're able to go in, search it out, identify it, put it together. Now watch Paul. Unto me, that's Paul, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Isn't that interesting? Now, searchable and unsearchable are different. They're spelled different. They have different definitions in the dictionary. Unsearchable means what? Can't find it. Linda and I, we went out on a hike the other day. Yes, she does hike when it's easy, and real easy. And we went out on a hike, and we were up looking for Apache Tears and the mines and stuff out in Superior. And we found them, but you know what it took? It took a little digging, a little figuring it out. They were unsearchable. You know why? Because when you look at the wall, you're like, "Eh, "There's nothing there." And as soon as you knock on it, guess what? Now they start dropping. And it was it was uncertain. And then it became what searchable. It's unsearchable. Now, look at verse 9. Why was it unsearchable? Why is it unsearchable? You can go and look for the details that Paul tells us that God is doing today among the Gentiles in that Old Testament, and you will not find them. You know what you will find about the Gentiles in the Old Testament? That if they're going to come to God, they have to go through the nation of Israel. That's what you're going to find. And it's when Israel is on the hill and Israel's in her place, then the light shines on the Gentiles. Not not any other way. Paul says, now it's coming to you mono to mono. There's only one mediator between God and men now, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. Now look at verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, under the principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Why is it unsearchable? Because it's been hid where? In God, but now it is what? Revealed. The details about, there's some details about the Lord Jesus Christ that are unsearchable because God kept a secret, and yet what did he do? Right on time, He reveals them. And the Holy Spirit is down in there digging them out, digging up the nuggets, getting it out, getting the information, bringing it to the top, getting in there because, it's because God hath revealed them. It's time now. Come over to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. When we studied the book of Romans, I, told, I, I made mention a couple times, I think, I hope I did. <laughs> it was a four-year study, so I don't remember everything I said in all of it. But at the end of each of the four sections, the Apostle Paul gives a doxology, gives a, uh, where he just bursts out in praise. And he does it here at the end of chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out for who hath known the mind of the lord or who hath been his counselor that sounds a lot like where we're going to go by the way in 1 Corinthians 2 here down in verse 15 16 when he starts talking about the spiritual guy who knows the mind of the lord the spiritual do those who are who are adequately adjusted to The revelation of the mystery, the hidden wisdom, those that are rightly dividing the word of truth. Verse 35, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him, for of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever, amen. Notice that. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You can't find this. You can't find in the Old Testament Romans 9, 10, and 11 doctrine. You can't find it back there where Israel has been fallen, where Israel has been cast away and are, are no longer of import. You can't find that. Well, but Rick, when they did this, yeah, but they were instantly back. And, and there's, you can't find the details. They're unsearchable. Oh, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways. And that's the issue. That's the point here in, in, in uh, the searching. So, when you come back to 1 Corinthians 2, when he's out searching the deep things of God, what's he down there doing? He's in there digging up the nuggets, he's in there d- digging out the information. The Spirit is dwelling. He, he's. He. Now. <laughs> The Spirit is drilling up all of the information. God is now knowable. You can know what's happening. You can know what His plan is. You can know everything He's doing today. Nothing of it is secret. Remember how He told Moses, the secret things belong to me and the revealed things belong to the man? The secret things belong to the Lord and the revealed belong to us? That's not the case anymore. There are no more secret things that belong to God. He's revealed it all. He's made it all known. And now the Spirit is going to go to work. And the Spirit, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, look at verse 11. The Spirit is going to go in and and dig, verse 11, for what knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God which knoweth no man but the spirit of God. You want to know the things of God. Who do you have to have? I have the Spirit of God. Now, I know what happens here. They use, a lot of people use, like to use verse 11 to teach the difference between the old man and new man. That's hogwash. That's not in the context at all. The context is about what? The deep things of God being revealed and the Spirit doing it. So, this is nothing to do with the difference between old man and new man. Because it's not in the context. Now, there is a difference between old man and new man. I get that. But not here. Rather, what Paul is going to do here is he's going to emphasize the why and the how we can understand what what the Spirit is digging up. And how can we do that? Because we know what it is to understand each other. So the use of the word spirit, spirit of man, spirit which is of God. Spirit of God. The spirit, it has, it's not a ghost thing. It's not a spooky thing. It's not Casper's moving, you know. It's a way of thinking. It's the issue of an attitude. It's, it's used in a way that illustrates the way mankind thinks. How do we think? How do we understand? How do we, we, we go down through? You, you guys know the difference between a cat and a dog, right? Okay? You, you know, a dog, we don't know how dogs think. We know how they respond. We know how they behave. By the way, a cat, you know, clueless. (laughs) We don't understand how they think nor how they respond. You know, when you come home, you know what a dog thinks? You're God. You know what a cat thinks when you come home? They're God. If you have cats been around, you understand that. See, that. But but what do we know? We, we know the spirit of an animal. We know how they are. We, 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 don't know, we don't know how they tick in their thinking because there's no communication there. But we understand, and that's what the spirit is. The spirit has to do with how we understand, how we think, how we're created, how we're working through this, how we're acknowledging, how, how we think about things. The spirit is not limited to the unseen. In, in Scripture, that the word spirit isn't limited to an unseen force that makes you do something. Okay, rather, it's used a lot of times to describe the way you're thinking, your attitude about something. The the you guys know the the spirit in this room was the spirit in the room tonight was great. You know, and and the the feel the the ambiance, the atmosphere, because in verse eleven. Look at how that verse ends. Even so the things of God knoweth, what? No man. If you're operating the way man thinks, the spirit of man, so eye gate, ear gate, heart gate, you will never know the things of God. Now I didn't say that. The book says that. The word of God says that. If I'm up here, if I'm over here, Verse 9, I'll never get to where I want to go and understand the things that God has freely given me. I'll never get there. That's the point Paul's making with the Corinthians, with you and I as well. Because the Corinthians are camped out in nine, Eye gate, ear gate, heart gate. And Paul's like, guys, oh, come on, you know. And he's not doing that. He's, here's the information. Anything we're the end of verse 11, but the Spirit of God. Anything we are to know about God can only happen through the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit. That's why understanding clearly how He works today in the age of grace is so critical. It's what's caused so much heartbreak at Corinth, and then through the church over the over the centuries. Because we get this idea that he works back here like Acts 2, or Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he doesn't work that way today because God's working in a different manner. You know how, you know how the Holy Spirit works? He works through and with the Word of God. But he's always done that. He's never done anything other than that. Do you know why Acts 2 happened? You guys, you know why Acts 2 happened? Because the Lord Jesus Christ tells the 12, uh, the, the apostles in the upper room that when I leave the comforter, the Father's going to send another comforter. And he's going to be the Spirit of truth. And when he comes, he's going to give, he's going to remind you of everything I said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then he's going to give you the next stuff that I don't have time to give you, but they will get you ready, Hebrews through Revelation. He's working through the word. He's not working over here going, well, we're going to give them, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. In Israel's, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he works through the word, but he's working directly that way. How does he work for you and I? He works. We put the Word in us. He goes to work with the Word. By the way, Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. You know the verses. We're going to look at them a little bit next hour. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said. Do you know what moved the Holy Spirit across the faces of the waters? God said it's been that it's that way from the very beginning how does that spirit how does the holy spirit work he works through the word now i got ahead of myself cuz that's verse 13 and we got to finish verse 11 okay and get it. the holy spirit does it all to know god deeply to know the holy spirit deeply richly fully to know the lord jesus christ and the things that he's freely given us in him Deeply, richly, fully, you have to operate the way God has set up for you to operate. You cannot get there by operating man's way, which is 2.9, 1 Corinthians 2.9. You have to get there God's way. So verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. How does the Holy Ghost teach? He uses words, specific words, designed to reveal the deep things of God, designed to reveal the things freely given to us of God. He's using words. Why do you think the Bible issue is such an issue? Because you have to have the Word of God. If you don't, then you're going to lose out on the spiritual uh, maturing, the spiritual growth. Because how does he work? He works through the word. The word effectually worketh in you that believe. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. I'm looking in the room, and maybe I should preach into the choir, but there's also a whole audience out there in la-la land. Verse 12. Notice this verse very carefully. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, okay? We haven't received the, we don't walk the way, we don't live, we don't think the way the world thinks. We don't do 2-9. We don't operate in the ear gate, eye gate, heart gate. That's to know God. Now, you can operate in those gates over here in your daily life. That's not the issue. The issue is knowing God, see, the issue is knowing the things freely given to us of him. It, that's what the Corinthians are doing. Folks, if you work a job, you have to do the job the way the job needs to be done. And that's usually a worldly manner. There's an ordinarily, worldly step-by-step to do it. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about knowing God and knowing the things revealed, knowing God, the things freely given to us of God how am i going to do it i can't come to it through human viewpoint i have to come through it through divine viewpoint verse 12 now we have received not the spirit of the world so we don't the way of the think the world thinks we don't work that way by the way romans 12 that you would be transformed that you would conf, be uh, Conform not to this world, but be ye transformed. That's the thinking. But now watch the verse. But the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us. Do you see that Spirit which is of God? That is not the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit of God. It says what? Spirit, little s. The way God thinks about this. He doesn't say which, but the Spirit of God. He says the Spirit which is of God. See, there's a way of thinking that is produced by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's how you're going to get to know the things that are freely given to us of Him. That's why I said, we have to, you can't come this the way man thinks, religion thinks. You have to come to it the way God thinks about it. And how to, God says, I've written some words down. I've revealed all the truth. I've made it all known. And I need you to rightly divide the word of truth. I need you to study it this way because there's a prescribed order here of advancement. The Corinthians are over here. They're trying to get it on their own. They're doing it. They're working. They're done. And Paul's like, what do you get off the treadmill, guys? What are you doing? You need to be over here. The spirit, which is of God. You see, Paul's talking about a new way of thinking and understanding. And that's so cool to see here. The moment you trusted Christ, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You don't lose him. You've had, you're sealed with him unto the day of redemption. But what Paul's talking about is that there's a. this should be the way you think about how to know the things of God, how to get to know God, how to relate to God. Not over here in... Man's wisdom, philosophy, and tradition, and theology. But let's get over here the way that, come, come over to Ephesians 1. That spirit which is of God. He's talking about the way we are to think about things when it comes to the scriptures, when it comes to God and what God's doing today. God's word will change your thinking if you let it. If you read, you guys hear, I always say, three chapters a day, 28 days, you've read Paul's epistles. Do that 12 times. You've read Paul's epistles 12 times. Do you realize that about the fourth or fifth time through, you've changed your thinking? You don't even realize it? It's changed your speech. It's changed the way. And we're just talking reading, not studying, not running around. Just read. And the next thing you know, Verses are filling in the sentences that you would normally have been using other sentence fillers. <laughs> and it's like, well, what happened there? Well, it, what does it do? It's the Word of God, the Holy, work, the Holy Spirit working with the Word of God goes in and begins to change the way you think. And when that happens, that's the Spirit which is of God. And again, again, Look at Ephesians 1:17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Isn't that interesting? The Holy Spirit wants to start, wants you and I to start thinking wisely. The spirit of wisdom, revelation, the spirit of knowledge, uh, Colossians 1. This is a way of thinking, folks, that revolutionizes your life, just comes in and changes everything. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasings. How am I going to walk worthy unto the Lord? What's that, ye would, the goal, verse 9, he would have us to do what? Be filled, completely consumed with the the knowledge of his will, the spiritual wisdom, the spiritual understanding, that, the purpose, the intent. Why do verse 9 is so verse 10 can take place, but how do I get to verse 10? It's by that revealed truth. It's by the Spirit doing what? Searching the deep things of God, revealing the deep things, bringing it all to the top. See, it's much deeper, much of a deeper activity than just, well, he's just out there searching like a search engine. No, he's not. He's, got the, he's, he's the one that causes the word of God to be written. He uses the holy men as they're moved by God, and he writes the scriptures, and he comes in and says, here they are. So again, you come back to 1 Corinthians 2. I see the clock, and I've got to get through with 12. God, the Holy Spirit, produces a different way of thinking, and He uses the Word of God, and that's where we're going in 2.13 next time. But notice verse 12, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God. That's the deep things of God. The deep things of God has to do with the details of the mystery, the details of the advanced truth revealed to Paul, then revealed to the Holy, to the to the body of Christ by the Spirit. He's revealed it all so we can know it all. And as he does, we develop a spirit which is of God. We develop a, a mental attitude, a way of thinking an enlightened spiritual way of thinking about what God's doing as opposed to what I think He's doing. Here's what God is doing. Here's what I think He's doing. I need to be over here. You follow that? Now, Romans 8. The Spirit which is of God is the opposite of human wisdom. The Spirit, which is of God, the way that you think should be of God. Your attitudes should be of God. Those will bleed into your life on a daily basis, but they start when you're in that search for answers, in that search for the truth, which is where we started with the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1. They are searching for the truth in all the wrong places. And Paul says, hey, come back over here, get over here. This is where you need to be. Now, look at Romans 8. we got just a few minutes, and we'll the end of the chapter. Because usually what happens is, as we begin to think the circumstances of life is how we tell whether God loves us or not. And those are just not, that's just not the case, okay? We've had this, we had the conversation Friday night about it a little bit, but look, because look at Romans 8.35. Think about the deep things that he's freely given unto us. Think about the nuggets there, the rich there. 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? All of that is circumstances of life. Do they come up? Yeah. Yeah. No way to stop them. It's common to man. It's life. We can lessen them. We can lessen their severity, but they're going to come. Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is the deep, rich truth? Nothing in life is going to move you from who? You are in Christ. Nothing in life is going to move you from the love of Christ. Now look at verse 37. You have that understanding on board. Nothing's going to move me from Christ. Now how can I look at life? Verse 37. Nay, in all these things. What things? The circumstances of life. Verse 35, verse 38, 39. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. How are we to think about circumstances of life? Verse 30, life isn't the enemy. The circumstances of life now are the stage in which I can go and live out who I understand I am in Christ. And I can go do that. And it will look like this in my life because it's my life. It's not your life. You see, that's a thought process that then causes us to have victory. So when you come back to 1 Corinthians 2, what the Corinthians are doing is they're not having victory. Actually, they have division and contentions and turmoil. Why? Because they're not thinking Romans 8, which is foundation, you need to be thinking Romans 6, 7, and 8. They're not. Remember what I Paul, I want to tell you this, but you're not there. You're babes. You're carnal. You're not on the edification process. I want to tell you. So Paul is now going to, verse 13, Paul's now going to reveal the how, the Holy Spirit, reveals the deep things of God. Does he give you more than me? Does he give you more than her or him? Not at all. There's no partiality here. He's going to take words. He's going to use specific words that are designed to make all things that God has freely given to us known. That's what he's going to do. And he's going to write them in a book. He's going to inspire them, then he's going to preserve them. And then as they're written, there's a preservation. And we'll get into all that starting next time, okay? Don't be in, to know God, don't be in 2.9. Be be over in 2.10, 11, and 12. Get over there where you're supposed to be, okay? The Corinthians were stuck in human wisdom. Paul says, don't, you need to be over here. And that's that reproof doctrine, that's that corrective doctrine that's needed to move from one side, one side of the ledger to the other side, or vice versa, okay? All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for who we are in your Son, and for all that you've given to us, for all that you've blessed us with, for all that you've made us complete, To where, in all the sufficiency of your grace. In your name we pray, amen.